Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to Filthy Shamble Season 2, Episode 45. We're getting so much closer to the end of the season, which is good. Everyone gets a little bit of a break, uh, but not really because emotionally we're still anchors at Tottenham because we're going to be sitting around waiting to see who the new manager is going to be, who the new director of football is going to be, the people that are holding back on renewing their season tickets just to scare the club a little bit. It's not really going to work because you're going to renew them anyway because you're all a bunch of mugs like me who renewed on the first day that the season tickets were available to renew. So, yes, I am the problem, Spooky, and I'm joined by Dan, who you're not You're not much of a problem, are you? You're not a troublemaker. No, I'm, I'm, um, I think I'm the one who's trying to bring calm these days that's my mood that's my vibe and mood these days at least at the moment anyway these things always change spook you know yeah and the thing is you'll probably get accused for not trying hard enough um or not doing enough and no it is my fault like that's you know it is oh you're my taking fault. responsibility because yeah, I, well, I, I, I have okay. to because people people keep telling me it is so well fuck me oh, someone's okay. got to be right if, if four people on twitter told me so it, it, it must mm. be true well, listen, let's not start slagging off uh, Twitter until the Patreon section no, of sorry, the, sorry, the sorry. podcast. So we can, that can be Pyrewall. Pyrewall? Firewall exclusive. Um, still can't talk properly after all these years, 12 years doing podcasting. Here we are. I actually want to start with uh, non-Spurs related um, stuff. And that stuff being how glorious the football's been in the running Top end of the, the table, which I don't really want to talk about that much because I'm still a little bit nervous. Don't know. I, I, it's mm. part of me that doesn't trust Pep and City, even though they're a phenomenal machine. What I want to really point you towards is the the the, the back end of the Premier League, and specifically Leicester City, who might go down. They might get relegated. FA Cup winners, league winners. Glorious. Championship football. Off you trot. <laughs> I mean, again, I've probably jinxed it. They'll probably survive now, last last game of the season. But um what are you making of all that? Who 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 would you like to actually see get relegated? Because it's it's one of those weird things. A lot of people are like, Oh, I hate that football club, I hope they go down because they always take points off us. And others other people really relate to the away day experience. You know, Goodison Park is a classical stadium. And and I kind of feel feel something for the Everton supporters. I think Everton are like um, an incredibly bad. I mean, they're a badly run football club, right? You know, you you got Spurs fans who think we're a badly run football club, and the comparison is uh, you can't really make a comparison. Even though I'm now going to be accused of being a an apologist again, but I, there's something about Everton that I like, and I don't know whether it's because. It's their history. It's the fact that they've always had to play second fiddle to the other team, you know, in their vicinity. Um, they've tried to play good football in the past. Uh, they've been pretty fucking dismal. But they spanked Brighton um, mm. over the weekend. I mean, what, uh, what are you enjoying out of all this? Just 
considering Tottenham's season is pretty dead. Yeah, I mean, that result yesterday was brilliant, wasn't it? That done us a right... In, in, in I think, a few different ways, it does us a massive favour. Like, that performance, we sort of needed Everton when we didn't really know we needed them um, because of the shit we've put ourselves in, let's be honest. Um but yeah, they were. They, I think Everton are one I really do want to stay up. I'm a bit. I'm similar to yourself. I don't know what it is. I think I just sort of see them as a bit of the Tottenham of the North type thing. Um, you know, if if we dare I say it, like because I'll probably get you know shut down for this. But if we didn't have like the people in charge of the club and running the club that we do, we could be in a very similar. Another owner, you could be in this, exactly where Everton are right now, right? Mm. Like. These things can happen very quickly in football. Like Everton, only a few years ago, probably thought they'd, they'd be all right still for a few years. And then they've got to where they are now. They're probably thinking, what the fuck's happened there? Yeah, Everton are weird with, the fi- with their finances. They've completely botched it up with the, with the way they've, they've spent money and obviously breaking financial fair play rules and the rest of it. You know, Spurs, a lot of people are saying, oh, we should have stayed at White Hart Lane, mate. And it's like, on the one hand, you want us to compete with Manchester City, who are, who are probably, I pray to the gods, uh, are going to win their sixth out of what seven league titles? Mental, and, and mental. It's it, it's it actually kind of illustrates what we are up against. And people that bang on about oh you're obsessed with top four, probably because for a club of our stature, it's as it's as good as we can do unless City have an off season. And even this year, even though they've had an off season, like in what. In what universe would you consider it an off season? It's been a very strange season because only only Arsenal, without any pressure from anyone else, there's been no real title race. It's not been there's been no um, spite in the coverage. There's been no there's been no real. I mean, they try and build it up between Arsenal and Man City, but it's such a friendly kind of clicky uh, narrative. It doesn't really have a bite. It feels like. Arsenal can do what they do best, which is play good football when there's no pressure on them. And when there's pressure, they buckle. And when there's, when the pressure's off, they play well again. And it's that's basically what they do as a football club. City are a, a, a mental machine of, you know, they just win after win after win. They've got a complete free cup front. And yet they're not 20 points clear. They're not 10 points clear. They're just about clear. Um and that's what Spurs have to compete against. Are you joking me? Like, uh, what right do we yeah. have as a fan base and a football club to say we're, we're going to win the league? I mean, that's what we want to be doing, right? Um, obviously, we can do a lot more to knock at the door or to be prepared, like this season, when everyone falls apart, we should have been up there with Arsenal competing against City. And that's what I thought would actually happen. But we regressed... Uh, to the point of where we sit now. I mean, I, I actually said our season's dead, but you're right; it probably isn't dead. Um, so, Everton, we want we want them to stay up, and thank you for what you did against Brighton. Brighton have got to go to the scum, so we kind of need them to win. Unfortunately, for us. But wh- where are you? Where are you falling on this European um, conversation? If there is one, uh, Europa Conference, Champions League is highly. Improbable. Um, mm. What? Where, where are you? Where, where are you at with those those two particular maligned competitions? Because let's be honest, Dan, they bore the fuck out of me, but only because of the way we have approached them in the past. We see them as a chore. No one, no one wants to 
graft that people actually our players graft the way through those games right they're not seen as the pinnacle and it's because it's not but why do other clubs on the continent play like they want to win the competition and they they win the competition because of it so hmm. yeah i mean my i think if i if i I think the problem is, is it's so easy at the moment because there's already you can already see the backtracking that's going on in like the podcast that you listen to and the media around yeah. Spurs, where the journo's and the podcasters are all saying, "Well, as you know, actually, Conference League, you know, it's not so bad. It's you know a competition that if you take it seriously, you can win." You know, Kane's already coming out and saying, "You know, you've got to take every competition seriously. It's it's one to get the monkey off the bat." We we you know. We, and he's right to a certain extent. We can't be disrespectful to any competition that we're in. Um, you've got to want to try and win it. We've not won a trophy for 15 years, so it does, you know, scratch that itch, so to speak. But um, if I take all of that noise away, like my gut instinct is, or gut reaction is that I just don't, I, I would rather just not be in European football if it was the Conference League next season. Um, mm. Because, and, and I think that's only because I don't think it's, I just got to sound so arrogant, and it's really not meant to sound arrogant because I'm not one of these entitled. In fact, I'm the per- I'm one of the people who kind of like rails against people that sound entitled as a Spurs fan, if that's such a thing, you know. But like, <laughs> it's like I I don't think that competition was is meant for 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 us because of where we've where we've been and what sort of level we're typically performing at. Now, don't get me wrong; if you finish in a certain space, like you don't deserve to just all of a sudden be in Champions League if you finish sixth because you've been there for the years gone by before that, because then you're talking about the Super League and their ethics, aren't you? Like, mm. you're one of the legacy clubs. You don't ever get out relegated from the competition. You're in it without having to qualify. And that's not what football's about. You have to be able to com- uh, compete for things and you have to qualify for them. That's just the way it should work. It's not a bad work. thing. It's not a bad thing. Not qu- I know commercially it probably is, and, and in terms of consistency and momentum, we'd, uh, we would love to be a club that never fails... To, to finish outside, right? Of, of, of completely, completely. Well, here's your here's your positive that. here's your positive spin is that we if we qualified for Europe again this season, then we we still would have. I, I don't know the years because I can't be I can't count at the moment. But like, if you we we've then been in we've not failed to qualify for Europe since two thousand and nine. Then, if that's the case, you know, yeah, we, like, which is good. Which which shows there's some consistency. Yeah, I mean, of course I mean, it's we good. don't we don't ever. I mean, we try we try well we try to win one particular trophy, right? Um, and and getting into Europe is important, I guess, because it is European football, and there is at the end of it something potentially. Um, but we it's always seen as this distraction, this unnecessary. Um, uh, obstacle because what happens is we it kind of displays the lack of depth that we have in the squad and that we, we we've always very recently had managers of well even under Pochettino to be fair with domestic cups we always prioritized the league because we were aiming a lot higher than cup competitions which is a really weird thing to say but if you then bring it back to the whole conversation around City you know at a canter they look like winning the league every season what are you competing for? Are you competing for that chance of being there to pounce if they have an off season? I mean, it's a good thing to be that good to be able to take advantage of that. But then you do have Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and one or two other teams that will probably not last the pace, but they're looking good at the minute. The, the, the Brightons of this world, for example. That's a lot of teams competing for four places, potentially five places, season upon season. There's going to be 
seasons where you don't qualify. And, and that butchered sentence where I had a grammatical Eric Dyer earlier, that what I was going to say is that not qualifying for, for Europe at all m- might work to your advantage. Because we, if, especially if it's something that we've we've been doing regularly, and then you don't. Then then you have a look around and think, well, what's gone wrong here? Why have we fallen off so off the pace so much? And sometimes those those things make you stronger. Hate to say it, but look at Arsenal light bulb memes, Amazon documentary, bottled it, um, Spurs brutalised them, lost at Newcastle. Spurs smashed Norwich last game of the season. They are in the mud. They're dead, but they're not. They could still win the league. That was part of their journey, right? Mm. Um, for some reason, a lot of Spurs supporters... And, and in fact, a lot of Spurs supporters are exactly like Daniel Levy. They think that losing out or, or not or, or not stopping to take a little bit of a step back is somehow holding everybody back. And that's where we've gone wrong. It's like, you know, you replace Jose and then you replace, uh, you look, you bring in context like win now, because if you don't win now, then you're not going to win at all. And you're not going to be in a position to qualify. We have to qualify. It's like, calm down, take a step back. What is best for the longevity of this football club? Um, and having one season away from Europe completely, I've, I've, I mean, I'm not saying I'd be happy not to be in Europe, but I wouldn't be unhappy about having a clean, a clean run at the title. There, I said it. I don't care. I'm not even drunk. I've said it out loud. <laughs> it's Chelsea worked for Chelsea. Weirder things have happened, and Tottenham is the weirdest football club on the planet. So. So yeah, um, conference league does seem like a really unnecessary. Play the kids is, is probably the best way to deal with that competition. Just play the kids and focus on the league and the domestic cups. The thing season. is, you say that, but the only one, no, there's not one club that ever uses those competitions like that, as in just mm. using their youth players for it. Like even Redknapp never used to do that. It's basically just your fringe players who can't can't they just can't get off the bench can they so that's the only time that they'll play so it's when you it won't be our it won't be our exciting youth prospects it'll be uh, you know Tanganga winks if he's back <laughs> next season it'll be those sort of players that typically would historically get used there and I think that that's where fans like that's where, certainly where I tend to get a bit disengaged with it is because you're just seeing players in the team sheet that you don't you're not excited to see because you know that they're not the future or they're not part and it's of not the plan, fair on so them it's not no, fair it's on not. them you said they can't, you know, players that that are coming off the bench. I mean, they can't get off the bench. I mean, some some seem to have uh, like prison sentences, <laughs> you know, like near enough five to ten years of, of or maybe not that long, but it feels like that's that's their responsibility. And you and these players get slagged off. I mean, Sanchez gets slagged off a lot, but it's definitely the fault the 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 fault of the football club for not moving players on. Um, because they're completely redundant to have them sitting on the bench. You want players that are competition for first-team players and then playing well in the Conference League or the Europa League might see them get a chance to play first-team football in the Premier League. And you'd need that culture of competitiveness where no one's position is safe. You know, anybody could get replaced by the people looking on from the touchline and and Spurs have probably lost that a little bit um I mean they've lost that a lot to be fair over the last 
several seasons we've we've not really done enough to we've brought we've bought good players but nothing else seems to make sense it's like you you've bought all the right parts but for a completely different model that you're trying to build Do you know what it, I mean? it goes it it's, goes back to the stuff we've discussed before where like what what's the actual strategy here we feel like we're just buying people but then not knowing what to how to progress them or integrate them once they're here and then they end up not working like your jack clarks and stuff like that we end up getting these kids and then they we don't know where they fit that's because they've had free managers during the time they've been here with the club, but then they're eventually sold to one of the clubs they've been loaned to. Well, this is this is. Um, I mean, we can we can come back to this subject later. This is the whole the whole thing around. Well, it's it's the ongoing saga around identity and philosophy, and you know, if you're going to bring in a director of football, when you're going to bring in one or two other characters that are going to restructure the back end and the scouting. You're going to want to tie the academy into the first team. You've got this, this, you know, it's a bit of a meme, right? An amazing stadium, mate. We've got the best stadium in the world. We've got the best training facilities. We literally do have incredible training facilities. As long as they're keeping all the technology inside of it up to date and, and all the science up to date, then it's it's top tier. Use it. Use Hotspur Way to develop these these players and, and, and a football style that means that the transition from youth football, academy football, into uh, first-team football uh, is is an actual tangible pathway, a career pathway for these players. Instead, what we seem to be doing is we're, we're, create, we're creating, sounds like we're creating players in the lab, um, but we're, 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 we've got all these youth players and some are highly rated and we're going to have to wait and see what that means, whether they end up on loan at Millwall. Um and the the rest seem to be sold for you know four hundred thousand plus, which used to be the golden number, but that might have changed where the club get back the money they've invested in in the youth player used to be four hundred thousand four hundred fifty thousand quid you know if you sell a youth player for that amount, you're in profit right great, but where's the next skip winks uh cane you know I know that's probably three mm. um very different examples, but the players that did come into the first team and and varying degrees of uh, of success. But you need a tapestry. You need something tethered from A to B to C. Otherwise, you're right. What's what are we actually doing? Even the players that we bought under Paratici for Conte. Conte's like for some of them. Well, yeah, he's he's not going to play. He's not disciplined enough to play. Basuma yeah. needs to. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like, what what conversations are actually happening behind closed doors here? Because this is this is where we've been for years and years and years with Tangai and Lacelso and several other players. You know, for once and for all, Tottenham spend money. That's undisputable. Okay, we could spend a lot more on certain positions in the moment when we're buying in other positions, so that we don't have to wait another couple of windows to get the players in. I.e centre-backs but at the end of the day we kind of need uh Spurs to have a um like a proper blueprint here and and I guess it's that's what we're going to see in the summer right I mean that's what we're hoping for Mm. yeah I mean we're hoping for it I mean I just don't want us to get to that point again where we 
bringing more players and it takes like a full six months before we see them in the starting lineup or not. Like, do you, you want to see some because the idea should be that if we're signing people for the first team, it should be agreed upon by the director of football and whoever the manager is that they are who we want for our first team and they've been identified in that way because they fit a system we're going to play and they can just come in and start straight away. They're not going to need three months of fucking learning how to like learning the Italian dictionary do you know what I mean like they can they can just get in and do it all because well what else are they doing well, you, you, you've, got, you've got a little bit of Brexit like, yeah you've gone Brexit yeah. <laughs> but, but look at Basuma what was the idea like he was someone who you, you would just think clear as daylight could just slot into that team dynamic like one of the best midfielders in the country, like mate. It's it's how? that that one has baffled me more than all of them. Not even it's baffled me more than Richarlison because Richarlison for me is like played well without actually doing what he needs to, which is scoring. Do you know what I mean? But then it's yeah. like, and he's had loads of injuries. Basuma's been unlucky too. But then the Basuma one is just, I think he was almost just destroyed by whatever it was that Conte was trying to get him to do. Um, so I'm hoping for like a really sort of like you know big kind of resurgence for him next year almost like this is you know show people who you actually are and why we bought you agreed and and that's why we need someone who's expansive someone who who's going to get the the who's just going to this just needs to be positive energy around Tottenham as simple as that because even when I was backing Conte and supporting Conte the football was not great and I and I'll never forget coming out I can't remember what game it was last season or was it this? Was it earlier this season? My God, time, time just—I <laughs> I cannot remember now. I was Tottenham Hale, and um, I was walking back down uh, the escalators. I was with T from the Fighting Cock, and we were talking about you know we had won the game, and then some guy just walked past us, and I don't know whether he had been to the game or had watched the game, and he was coming back from work. He, he, I'm not sure. But he was probably he was probably at the game to be fair, and he said something about um, yeah, but the football shit. And I kind of I got a little bit, and it might be last season, and I, I was like, you, do you know what? It's a means to an end. We're 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 building something here. It's it's gonna be it doesn't have to be flowing football every game. And I, and I I I basically nailed myself to this idea that we would evolve and we would step it up and we would find another level and blah same, blah 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 same blah, as blah, me. blah 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 I was exactly the same yeah you know I, I spoke to people at Tottenham at the at the Palace game at, at, you know uh, before the game and it's just because you want Spurs to do well and some people might sit on you know they might stand up actually on a soapbox and say I, I don't believe it's going to work and I'm not going to change my mind even when we're playing well and at the end of it they're right, but you could do that every season. The likelihood is, for most football clubs in the country, you're going to be right because most football clubs are going to be unsuccessful uh, in their season objectives. Very few are successful in terms of winning things or, or, or finishing the very top position. So you can be very miserable all of the time outcome-wise and you're going to be right nearly enough all the time. Um, whereas I'm the opposite. And you'd think by now I would have worked it out that maybe I have to find the middle ground. And I think after Mourinho, especially after Conte, I'm I'm I feel that I need to be less committed to um, defending what's happening, um, which is why I just want to enjoy football again. And that's why I think a Nagelsmann type of appointment, I think the football will make us happy instantly. 
And I think off the back of that, it'll make the players happy. And we'll we see fantastic attacking football. And do you know what? You get a defence relatively fine. You just We are still better than most football clubs um, in this country. You know, even 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 the Spurs fan who's, who uh, said that he actually mocked me. This is before I took a little break because I thought I can't do this anymore, man. This is ridiculous. <laughs> he mocked me that Brighton had surpassed Enoch and Daniel Levy and Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. They had surpassed us by not spending any money compared to us spending money. And that means stadium building and the rest of it. And and I can't remember what I replied to, but I, then I kind of tapped out of it. What I should have said is we, we, we're probably going to steal their manager, or we could if we wanted to steal their manager. How is that them surpassing us if we're plucking yeah. the manager from their football club? They've done really well with their business model, and I, I genuinely, it's fantastic what they've done there. And I'm a little bit jealous because they do have a philosophy, but it's probably easier to start at a club like Brighton and build that in over time because there's no pressure. The very people that are moaning about the owners and everything else are the very people that are demanding that we have to win something immediately. We have. It's like, well, you, you're not even finding a middle ground in your argument. You want, you want to reach out for the stars and then you're being an extremist in, in, in other scenarios. It's, it's a very muddled thing. It shouldn't be for a club like Tottenham. It shouldn't be muddled. It should be easy. It should be very easy. I just think it isn't because our chairman, unfortunately, has some um, distortions when it comes to the commercial and the football side. And, and, and maybe someone's had a conversation with him and that's going to change. I mean, just just the one Brighton as well, just had a thought on that. And feel, uh, feel free to slap me down if this is no, probably no, no, no. Not, not the way, to, not way to think about it. it. But like with, with Brighton, though, like obviously they do get... I do think rightfully so they get a lot of credit because of you know the stature of their club and how the way they play football with arguably the types of players they've got I mean that argument goes both ways it's like mm. you're playing really well really good football with players that aren't as good as the big teams but they're full of but they're all players that the big teams want eventually yeah. so that argument goes kind of both ways and then at the same time like you know you're in this position and everyone credits you but you're they're never going to break like the top Four are they? They might just about scrape into the top. I mean, if everyone's performing to their pomp, i.e., us, Liverpool, Chelsea, they're not even in the top seven, are they? Like, that's just a exactly. fact. Like, if those clubs were yeah. all on their pomp, like they wouldn't yeah. even break that. So they're relying on teams underperforming a bit at the moment. Um, I mean, do, do you think that people are using that to describe them now because it's almost like a fashionable thing to say, right? Like a club that buys young players that are talented develops them and sells them for a profit. That sounds quite familiar to me. I mean, do you not think yeah. that that was us almost um, in the late no- the late noughties? Yeah, like, was that it, not pretty much what we were, but and, we didn't get the same level of credit as they do now? And that was basically a model that, that had to work for a club like us because we did not have the revenue. We didn't have the stadium. And we definitely did not have the worldwide merchandise and marketing revenues of a man, and probably never will, of a Man United and a Liverpool, and even a City and a Chelsea, unfortunately, because of the way football works. You know, who's, who's top of the table winning everything? That's the team that's going to probably have influence in, in uh, other nations the world over. It's always been, it's always been the case, right? Um, so you're back, you're, you're bang, you're bang on right. You know, you know, it's it's undisputable that this model is is something that allows them to then go out and buy the next superstar when they've sold one for eighty nine million. 
um, and they kind of shift on. Spurs have been incredibly lucky with that. We 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 have had some incredible players that we've sold for a lot of money. Um, unfortunately, but I think, but I think the reality is, is that you can't be like that forever if you want to get to no. the stages that our fans want us to get to. Because we were that, and we've sort of gone beyond that, and we're kind of almost yes. working out how to do that now. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think that that's yeah. where these next appointments of like where we've got so where we've got a few key appointments wrong, almost in terms of director of football, arguably, and managerial appointments over the last few years. That's what's really kind of like ups, upset you know, slowed things down for us in terms of our progress and we've almost regressed actually as well. Um that it's it's so key for us now that that's why we need to then start getting it right in terms of well how do the big clubs then do it now where they can't just buy the youngest players that no one's heard of because they don't do it. They don't just buy the youngest players that no one's heard of to v- develop them and then sell them on. Yeah. They buy established players and get them to work straight away within a system, and yeah. we've not really been able to do that yet. I mean, we do, because we, we've got no system, we don't know who we like, are. But, and it's... but look at the, all the players, though, Spook. So Benton Core and Kulusevski are arguably two players that I can think of off the top of my head. Romero, arguably as well. So what's that? Three. The amount of other players that you have, we've bought for the amount of money that would suggest that they're certain starters I'm talking Davinson Sanchez and Dombele Lo Celso even Sessegnon like maybe Sessegnon not to a certain degree because of his age but he was still like you know a hot prospect at Fulham yep. that they developed and we bought so yep. he was then meant to kick on at us and hasn't so yep. it's like I mean over I'm, going back over years there's there's only a hand for the last sort of five six years now there's only a handful of players that we could look at that say yeah they worked as soon as we bought them others were slow burners and others just didn't work at all right like it's a really hard, I do think it's a really hard thing to get right when you move from that level that sort of Brighton and are at now that we used to be at to then go to like I suppose what your Arsenal is now what City are now Chelsea Manchester United Liverpool like it it's a, it's a hard thing to do and hopefully we're going to start getting more towards that place that we've seen the mistakes we've made along the way. And and something that you said there that's been chatted about, I'm sure everybody's spoken about this at a given time, we can't, when we buy plays for 60, 70 million quid, right? Or 60 million quid, they they have to work. If they don't work, they're very expensive flops and we've had, we've had two or three of them, okay? two specifically who are sitting on loan I mean, one of them's won the bloody title with napoli it's absolutely yeah. it's insane really when you well it's not insane it's tot as tottenham as you, you you can get the point being is um the likes of your man united the likes of even manchester city one or two others can afford to write off these players whereas spurs get burnt like it's well we've spent 60 million on this guy are we going to spend 60 million on another midfielder of similar traits and, and you know, or are we going to look to do a little bit of a deal or maybe bring in a couple of plays from, from Juventus, a bit of a risk. Oh, hello, it, it's worked. That's football. It's a risk, whether you're spending a lot of money or not spending any money. Did people really think Deli Alli would break into the team? You know, having, bought, having been bought for five million quid that early. Hmm. Maybe he and shouldn't have, you know, with hindsight now. But you know, yeah. it's just the it's just the way the world. You know, he just, he, you know, some some footballers have careers that span very short moments in time, and he he was probably he is remains the poster boy for what we had under Pochettino. You know, uh, just a, an incredible moment in time 
and and then it just faded, and and, and unfortunately, that's what's happened with Delhi. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going off on a, on a tangent here. Um, I want to go back to one thing quickly, and then we will actually talk about half an hour in. We haven't spoken about the Crystal Palace game, <laughs> uh, which wasn't a great game, but we get, S- we get says to all that. you need to know, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we we get to that. Um, the whole Brighton thing as well. It's funny. It's proper Homer Simpson when when someone says something on Twitter, and I'm like, I'm not going to respond, which is a bit strange considering that I go on Twitter sometimes to antagonise people. There, I said it. I'm just. I'm, I'm gonna. I got told off in chat the other day by someone saying, "Why did you post that? You know the reaction you're gonna get." And you know, and I've mentioned this before. Um, sometimes my mental health gets a little bit shaken up, not because I'm worried about what people are saying to me. I don't care mm. about that. If I, if I get into a discussion with someone, that's great. And I don't care about the abuse and all the other bullshit that comes with, with social media. It's the time spent. It's the, it's the time spent in front of a laptop or, or a phone having these discussions that get, that get nowhere. Um, so this guy that mentioned, oh, Brighton have left us behind. I was like, mate, let me give you a list of teams that have left us behind in the last 10 years. Everton, Swansea, um, Leicester. Oh, actually, okay. They they kind of did technically leave us behind for a couple of seasons. Like the list goes on and on and on. All teams have these pockets of momentum and everyone gets a chubby. Oh, look at Brentford, look at Brighton. Yeah, that's great. Let's have a conversation in two seasons and see where these teams are. Because this has happened time and time and time again. Spurs, as love them or hate them, especially if you're a Spurs fan, are not going anywhere. They're not go- well. Okay, hopefully they're going upwards, but they're they're not not going to be in amongst uh, the conversation. We're just too big of an entity now. And yes, there are other clubs that are going to be big entities, but if you look at all the clubs and all the money that they've got, there's going to be a separation of the talent. Not everybody's going to go to Man City when they can say, oh, I can earn a fair bit at Newcastle, at Liverpool, at Tottenham, at Man United. The wealth will be spread. And I think think definitely, if you want to talk about Super Leagues, I think that's going to get birthed out of um, of the Premier League, if if it's not there already, uh, to some degree. Um, And we're going to be a part of that, whether you like it or not. And... Hate on Spurs. I know that's the thing to do. It's the hipster thing to do, to to have your yellow uh, and purple scarves and whatever else. Hate on Tottenham. At some point, some of you guys are going to wake up and realise you should be doing the opposite. You should be hating on everything else on the outside. As much as we've got problems on the inside with the, the owners and the chairman and the rest of it, the siege mentality we need. Nobody wants us to win anything. Nobody likes us. Everyone revels in us bottling things we don't even bottle because it's such is the it's like an obsession everybody has that that God forbid Spurs actually become successful and it's this weird aura this weird energy if you want to get a bit you know I don't know drop a a tab or whatever you want to do in your own time and think about this deeply it does it does feel like a it's not a conspiracy it definitely is in my head but it feels. Like Spurs are the most unfancied football club in terms of the media narrative and, and therefore the the fan narrative because the fan narrative tends to be a bunch of sheep following this one voice coming from, from television. So wake up and back 
back Spurs because you, you, it's never going away. If you're a Tottenham supporter, you're stuck with it, mate. You might as well enjoy it and you might as well stick fingers up at the rest of the world. Uh, let's talk about Crystal Palace. Um, a bit of a slog. You were at the game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you make of it? I think it, it wasn't the most exciting game, but no. I, it was almost like it's more enjoyable than what we've been seeing, though. Is that fair? Like, you know, we got, we kept a clean sheet and won. So that's just been more exciting, to, to you know, in, in terms of a result in itself than what we've been seeing getting turned out over the last few weeks. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's a good point, actually. Before you can continue, it was like it was the anti-Tottenham performance. Like it wasn't 3-0 down in 20 minutes. It wasn't calamitous first half, come back in the second. It was just... Bog, standard, boring, efficient, 1-0, clean sheet. Do you know what it was? We've had like three performances like that this season at home. We've had that one, then we've had Chelsea, and we've also had West Ham. Mm. They're all pretty similar performances. I felt like the City game was, although that was 1-0, it didn't feel, it wasn't a boring game at all. It was quite an exciting game of football, yeah. and we played really yeah. well that day. Um, I felt like Chelsea and West Ham were pretty boring games, like for the spectator when you were there. Um there was obviously okay, a bit of fair. like argy, there was a bit of argy bargy stuff with the Chelsea game when I was I, I was there for that one that day. There was a bit of argy bargy with that one that was happening, of course. Um, you know, there was a couple of goals and what and whatever. Uh, but I thought that they were they were all pretty straightforward wins on the day. Like the, you know, the defenses weren't really tested. Uh, there was a couple hairy moments, but nothing that made you too worried. Like we didn't come away from any of those games thinking. Yeah, we could have probably done a bit better, but we didn't feel like at any point we deserved like not to win that game. Do you know what I mean? Like, or to even concede a goal that like they didn't do it. They didn't really do anything meaningful. The opposition, but I was actually really looking forward to seeing it because Palace have been quite good recently under Hodgson, and like what a resurgence that is under him. Um, mm. And uh, they've got you know they've got two players in particular that I just I like, like Elise and Eze. Like, I just they're such exciting yeah. players yeah. that Silk. I was, yeah, they are like completely like they're the sort of players that genuinely I'd love for Spurs to buy because I just think that they are proper Tottenham players. Like they're so comfortable on the ball, which is a yeah, great Tottenham. Like, to be but they're fair, flair right players, now. aren't they? Though, yeah, but they're fair. They're flair players that you know they've, they they can still get better. Like I thought, I think Elise in particular, like he's the one that stands out to me. I think Eze did a while ago, but then this Elise's come along, and I think he just looks proper silk, like really good player out on the right hand side. He could probably play as a ten as well if you wanted him to. Um, and again, you know, that works hard. Got an eye for a goal. Good, good crosser of the ball. Good on set pieces. We just we don't have too many people that are good at set pieces in our team. We've got like Porro and Son as the main kind of set piece takers. Arguably Perisic too, but Perisic ain't going to be around for long. And I think it's always handy to have multiple people in your team who can do stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was excited about seeing them, and I think that ultimately the most interesting talking point was just to, that. We do. We didn't look rigid like we have done throughout the season. Like we looked really fluid, like between the formations we were playing. Like I'm not so much better I, going forward. But but I'm, I never spot these things though. Spook. I'm amazing. Like, I'm, really, I'm, I'm at the games. Really, and normally it's just about a case of shouting, get it out, get it forward, get it in the box. It's so basic when you're a fan. Normally viewing these things, <laughs> yeah. but. For so someone like me, who usually that's my viewing experience normally, even I could see the shifts in formation, yeah. like when we were yeah. in and out of position, possession. And it's like, it's not like I've never seen that at Tottenham before. Like, God, like I've seen it loads under Pochettino, for instance. But 
that's how long it's been since we've seen something like that, you know? <laughs> like, was genuinely since, like, probably that 16, 17, 18, like, 17, 18 season was the last time we saw anything that resembled that, you know? And we're um, doing all this without without an Ericsson, without a, a, a yeah. midfielder in the middle that can actually curate the ball and 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 find those diagonals disguised balls see see that kind of obviously we've got harry kane dropping in and and doing a lot of that you know he kind of set himself up he he provided the assist to the assist for 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 the header against palace he was um, really good kane he was yeah, really good yeah, again was, he's he was, been he he's tremendous. been amazing all season kane i mean like if he doesn't win player of the season it'll just be like Oh, he won't fast, won't he? He, he won't, will he? He'll be he won't. he'll be son. <laughs> he'll be son <laughs> or, or someone like that. But like, it, it, he's been so good this season. And like, I mean, everyone's talking about it. That blind sort of over the shoulder volley pass he does out to Porro before yeah. he gets the cross back. I mean, it's just a joke, isn't it? In terms of vision, like yeah. it used to. Kane, I always thought of Kane as this player who wasn't a naturally good footballer. So I always thought he was someone who was like, worked really hard at his game. Like, you know, like the drills, like the shooting drills, the penalties and all that sort of stuff that after repetition. So when it comes to getting it in games, like it becomes like you, you're more consistent at least. But now it's like, he's properly just like a graceful player and he's, everything is second nature to him. Like he's, he's got vision of someone like Ericsson. And then obviously he's like, you know, He's able to then still finish at the same time. So still shit at free sh- kicks, though. That oh fucking only... hell, yeah. But but but, but it's weird <laughs> because you, you you always heard the stories about him staying, you know, um, staying at the training ground and doing extra drills and, and and whatever else. And you always got the impression that he was someone that wasn't technically gifted or didn't have that kind of natural flair that some players have. Um, and, but he did, did have the technicalities, but obviously worked harder. To, to to kind of perfect perfect them and define them, but some of the things he does instinctively, uh, and and it's like hoddle esque passing, right, to the feet of the player across the field. You can't. I mean, that's a very natural, instinctive type of thing you do in the moment as a footballer, and 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 I, obviously you have to be a good footballer to be able to do that, no doubt, especially to do that consistently. But a lot of it is, again, the aura of the player. It's that confidence. It's that that knowing the ball's going to land exactly where it's going to land and I'm going to hit it with the right weight and distance and whatever. So he, he has wheeled himself into something pretty exceptional, Um I kind of misunderstood you earlier with the, the play of the year. I actually thought you meant the, like the PFA football writers. Oh, not um, the PFA, no, but like the Spurs one. The fans never. hundred percent. There literally is no. There, there is no other player that they could. Uh, they they could pick, especially if uh, people think it's his last season at Tottenham, which is probably not the case. We will get onto that in, in a second. Anything mm. else from the Palace game? I mean, two things that I'll mention, and I'll let you talk about them because I've I've, yeah. I've been chatting a lot. Um, Emerson had no yes. idea he, he was going to come back into the team, and I was really happy. And he played really well. He's a good defender. <laughs> say what you like as a right wing back, because what you say is probably right. Uh, but as a defender, he you know he brings stability. I mean, you know, I really like the guy. Uh, yes, we can do better, no doubt. But he's he's someone who is very genuine, very likable, and he can play football when he's played in the position that allows him to to do so. 
the other thing was the last 10 minutes or so of that game. You know, I'd said the game was a slog, but the last 10, 15 minutes, Palace getting a little bit frustrated. You had these, the, you had the rugby tackle by uh, Longley. You had other mm. little players were falling down, staying on the ground. You had fouls. You had Palace supporters kind of losing their shit, abusing the referee. Obviously, not good to see. Uh, the, the racial abuse aimed at Son again. I kind of knew what was going on when Son was walking past them because he stopped and usually footballers they ignore away supporters or, or, or just no, rivals. Staring them out though. He was he? staring them out, and I and I thought, you know what? Fuck you! Like if you're if that is, and I know why. I know why people like that resort to racism, right? Because it's the it's it's something that can hurt anyone. Okay, it's not a nice thing to experience. Um, but it also shows the mental capacity of these people who can't think of anything intelligent and funny to say. It's a football game, right? It's a football game, for God's sake. It's not that important. It's not that important. Say something about Tottenham and trophies, because that, that usually works. I'll be honest. Do you know what like, I'm saying? They were, they were an odd bunch all day, the Palace fans, I'll be honest. Like, they thought the referee was against them for some reason, or I generally couldn't fathom it, like... You know, that was from my perspective of being at the game. I just didn't understand where that was all coming from. And I was walking back to Northumberland Park and like I get that fans obviously like, you know, we've we've been in the days where we were losing games often and we'd still be out singing songs and stuff because it was just yeah. about going to watch the football. Like but the expectancy yeah, yeah. was lower back then. Um but they were like singing just odd songs that didn't even make sense. Like at least sing about something that you generally didn't get shown up for on the day. Like they were singing a song about someone that that Kelly that they've got who was like a right back or someone or something like that and I think the lyrics were it's the same as the Deli Alley theme tune but it's oh, like okay. the um he what, what was it say he scores at the lane he marks Harry Kane we've got whatever his name what name is and you just think like what so he was marking Kane for that like header that he scored then because he done well there didn't he it's just like you know, just fucking. The, I just, I, I feel like it's the stuff that they're obviously doing it to get this type, of exact type of reaction out of me. But it's, it's funny like, on on the way. I can't to help the, but think you're all weird. <laughs> they, they are. I mean, I get, I get what they've done with the, you know, at the Palace Ground and they're they're kind of flaggy, wavy, constantly singing, kind of very hipster uh, German football club uh, stylings. <laughs> like that's f- fine. You know, it, it, fair enough. Good, good luck to them. It's it's. It kind of was my cup of tea once upon a time with 1882, which is what we were doing at 1882, singing about Nicola Berti and, and the rest of it. So I, I can't slag them off completely. But on the way to the game, there were a couple of Stone Island Palace fans, young guys, just standing Boy, on wait. the corner of, uh, <laughs> um, just standing on the corner of uh, uh, the park lane towards Northumberland Park, and they were just asking Spurs fans, "Score today." So, and then Spurs fans will say like three 0 Tottenham. Woo, woo. I'm thinking, all right, what's going on here? Like what, prediction corner. Like just get, get yeah. your way in, mate. Have a pint. Just just be be amongst your own. Um, but they're very cocky. Um, but look, that's bravado of a young football supporter. It's what I would expect to see. But yeah, they 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 a choice of a. Lyrics sometimes are, are a bit offbeat, and I, it did make me laugh the last uh, ten minutes. But uh, Emerson, anything you wanna you wanna yeah, just kind of say of, about him? 
you've kind of said it all for me in terms of Emerson. Like, I think it's a bit of a surprise we've not seen him in that type of position a bit sooner. But then I suppose, like, he was kind of playing his his position in terms of a right back, wasn't he? And mm. then when we were in possession, it there wasn't he could come into a free because you're you have possession of the ball, so there's yeah. not that immediate danger, is there? So he was all right in that sense. But I think carrying on from him, I think he allowed Poro to flourish actually. Yeah. Because um, I thought Poro was really good against Palace. Like he was. I think he was really high. The thing with him is that you get attacking players who can be really good with their pressing, but that doesn't make them good defenders. And I think that's kind of what he is. Like, I think he's a really good presser. He harries. He'll obviously get his foot in every now and then, but he's not a natural defender. I think whoever comes in, I think really, we, we, he for me, he should be long-term be a kind of auxiliary right back how he was used at the weekend or he's got to be more of a right like more of an Aaron Lennon like an out and out right winger to be honest yeah, with you like a right midfielder I, I just think that's more his game but his cross for Kane was brilliant um, I think since he's come in like I think he's it's all been a bit of like a whirlwind for him since he's come into Spurs because the, it's been a, the club's been a mess practically since yeah. he turned up he's had like, a bit it, rough it, it, it originates practically from when he came in let's just say that to be dramatic right that since he's come in, it's all gone to shit. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like he, we've seen that, you know, everyone said he can't defend, and we can see he can't defend. So what are we getting in terms of attacking output? And he's already got a few goals. He's got a few assists. So he's kind of doing what he should really. I think that he's a good signing. I just think he needs to be used in the right way. So uh, yeah, was happy for him at the weekend. Um, in terms of the midfielder comparisons, I thought Skip had a good game. Was good with his. I think he was quite progressive with his passing. Yeah, like it was nice to see him really spraying the ball about and doing these one-time passes. Like it doesn't get talked about enough, but that pass at Liverpool where he put Perisic in before he assisted Kane. Like, oh, that was that was amazing. Brilliant ball that yeah. will never get picked up either by the stats or anything, will it? Because it's it's not an assist or anything. But you know. That's that's a, that's what he needs to be doing. We more need to his game, stat. I think. We need we need a baller we need the, stat for, for we need to we need like to call that. it. It's, I'll just call it the Modric because that's what he was. He was the assist of the assist. Like that's kind of like his game. And you know, I think if, if as long as he's doing stuff like that, he's earning his place in the team as far as I'm concerned because yeah. he puts it about defensively. Yeah. Um, so he's a proper number eight in that in that sense, really. Um, I don't think him or Hoybio play in a two-man midfield well, and that's where we're suffering. Like neither of them are particularly athletic, and you can see that again at the weekend. That as soon as they got to do any running about, like we get sort of a bit lost in midfield. And again, I don't know why we don't play three in midfield. But yeah, we, the midfield is is the bigger. People bang on about the defense, and obviously the defense needs a lot of work. We need we need someone to come in and wake Romero up for, for starters, but. The midfield um, this season has been—I don't want to say non-existent because we, we do miss Bentoncourt. We ha- yeah, we have had injuries. Uh, and We've not even bit... seen Basuma. Exactly, but there's a missing ingredient in there that, that, that Spurs fans we we've always had this creative hub of energy in the middle. Yeah. Whether it's deep laying, whether it's a Modric, whether it's a Carrick, or whether it's an Ericsson on the front foot. Please, I beg you, Spurs. Take maybe it's evolved that position. Maybe we need like a a better version of of Madison, you know, because I know Madison's the one that's been, especially if Leicester do get relegated, uh, he's mm. someone who will be linked uh, with Spurs, no doubt. 
that's fine. I bring him in to be part of a squad, but we 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 need something magical in the middle because it's what this is part of our heritage. It's part of what we expect, and I've, I'm done with sacrificing uh, the type of football that I want to be, be seeing. You know, I'm done with let's let's play ugly for six to eight months because that would add the. Tr- we know how to do that. We've done it with Pochettino. We knew how to play spiteful football and mix it up with with brilliant football. We knew to dig deep and survive, and then and then score three in the last three minutes of a game. You know, we, we we've we've we, we've got this, even though we haven't got the players. We kind of do have the players. We just haven't got. We that. just haven't got the players in the right place for. To allow everything to stand up and 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 be strong in terms of uh, uh, just in terms of positioning and in terms of being able to and this is yeah do you know what I was going to go on a Conte rant but I'm not so yeah no um, no no don't do it to yourself don't do it to yourself like I think I was just going to say on the Madison thing like that kind of like player it's often seen as almost like a risk buyer or risk player yeah. in your team because. Yeah. They're, they're thought of as people that just don't defend, aren't they? Like, they don't defend, so that means we're more open to getting slaughtered and cut open and stuff like that. But if they've got... If, you've, if you're playing a 10, that's not true because you've then got two other people behind them. So they've got the protect... The back four has its protection. And depending on the way you play, like... You know, there's lots of teams now play with two play with two two cent, two centre midfielders, whether they're eights or sixes, whatever you want to define them as. Yeah. They've, they've got two sort of, like, players that do more of the defensive work and one that will be a 10 but they'll defend as well because they'll start the presses like they'll do the pressing and all that kind of stuff they tend to be have, those have we types been linked with anyone have we, have we well, been linked we have with been, any players we've been linked with madison like he's we're one of the clubs that are going to be in for him yeah. i think it'll be us and newcastle ultimately and anyone else sad, um so um we've been linked with alex from bristol um oh not well, that, that alex from that bristol sorry no sorry sorry <laughs> not that Hold alex on. I didn't want to oh, get his hopes up there. He's been bang- he's been banging up. I know he's been he's. So I've been listening to podcasts. He's been saying he can manage Spurs. He could score a Premier League goal if he played for Spurs. But he, um, no, no. He, he not... reckons he can score at least eight times in the Premier League if he played for, for Man-, Man City. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I believe he believes he yeah. can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so yeah. So, sorry, no. I, I know. I've met Alex. I've. I've I'm, I'm, I hope he remembers me. But uh, so no. Um, so no hold on. So attended. Alex from Bristol is who? Because like I'm. I'm. I'm guessing. Yeah. Sorry. Bristol sorry. So um, City. Bristol yeah, Rovers. So he, he, I think he's playing for them. I'm, I, I, that whole thing is ruined if I've butchered, butchered that, and that ain't the club. But I'm pretty sure he's playing for Bristol City or something like that. Um, but it's Alex Scott, and it's not that Alex Scott who does the. Uh, match of the day when Gary Lineker's not on there. This is oh, yeah. um, a, a male Alex Scott. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a male Alex Scott who I can't really. I've watched him play once this season, but he has stuck in my mind ever since I watched him. Um, he was playing for Bristol against Man City in the. I can't remember if it was the FA Cup or the League Cup. So I want to say the FA Cup. Um, and yeah. Um, he looks really good. Like he, he just looks like another sort of Jack Grealish type player, oh, okay. and I like players like that. Um, well, we need to sign again, him before he's worth a hundred million quid. Well, I mean, we up there was it's, there was a thing that was being done today that we we we've been linked with him, and he's really the type of player that we every single summer there's at least one of those that could be linked with, whether it's a Jack Clark or a Jed Spence. Or this guy. There's always one that we typically tend to get linked with, and there's no doubt that it will take all the way up until deadline day to sign him because they always does with these younger players. Um, but 
but yeah, I mean, if he if he turns out to be anything like the sort of like Jack Grealish type player, I think he was playing off the left and sort of coming in in that similar sort of way. So he could be someone who, again, you could see being a bit of a utility player along the front line, um, which is always I'll, handy. I'll take it. I'll take it along with the centre backs and the midfielder and. and... And one or two other uh, bits and pieces that we do need. Look, we we haven't even covered. Uh, we've still got a bit to to talk about. We, we, I want to talk about Kane uh, on Kane on culture. He's talking about Tottenham as in the future, as in yes. him still being here. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the managerial stuff as well. Director of football. One or two other things. We've got Villa. We've got Brentford. We've got Leeds. Let's continue this in the Patreon part of the pod. So if you're listening to this on. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening. If you check out patreon.com forward slash spooky in purgatory, support me if you want to support me. I've been creating content for like 20 years, never monetized, probably done it the wrong way around. I'm monetized now. So if you want to put a bit of bread on my table, uh, check out Patreon uh, and support me for a bit of extra content. Um, So... Guys, see you later. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for the support. Dan, if you want to say goodbye to everyone. Cheers, everyone. Okay, that's that done.